0: philosophers. Philosophers. All right, David, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about multiculturalism. Ooh, okay. Uh, let's start off with the definition from Wiktionary if that's okay with you. Sure. So, uh the old Wiktionary has a single definition for the word multiculturalism, uh which actually has a plural I've never heard before, multiculturalisms. Interesting. Um, the definition of which is the characteristics of a society city etc which has many different ethnic or national cultures mingling freely political or social policies which support or encourage such coexistence okay yes um interesting so i think this goes without saying that there's probably two definitions to this word there's there's a philosophy probably behind this word and there's also this word which is just kind of a statement of fact or it's it's something you might be able to objectively use as a characteristic for a place you know like you can observe about a place that ah this place is multicultural and that's it like it doesn't draw conclusions it's just a description yes of a place so um the we have the wikipedia article pulled up for it yes this is much more thorough it's much more thorough but i would like to go ahead and point out that it's interesting that multiculturalism appears as a part of a series on discrimination which is interesting i would not have thought that off the top of my head to be honest with you If you ask me for like a category to put multiculturalism into, I wouldn't think of discrimination first, but I can see how they're related. Well, I could see how they would be related if you're taking the actual formal definition of the word discrimination, or or its derivative. It's not derivative, not its derivation, but the word from which it's derived, to discriminate. For example, if you don't discriminate, and when I use that word in this case, I mean note differences. It's literally all it means uh between cultures you can't have multiculturalism without there being different cultures for example i could see how that may be we might have something that contradicts that in this article let's find out so um i'll, I'll begin with the the top of the article um in so- sociology and everyday usage is a synonym for ethnic pluralism with it, uh, with the two terms often used interchangeably. For example, a cultural pluralism in which various ethnic groups collaborate and enter into a dialogue with one another without having to sacrifice their particular identities. Mm. So this is a little bit more, I think, alludes to a philosophy that could be formed around this subject, maybe. So just based on that sentence... Um, I think there are, I, I know, two big prerequisites for uh, having a multicultural area that we maybe didn't see. We kind of saw in the other definition, but I think I can see where some philosophies grow from with this. The first one being is you have to have multiple cultures within a tight geographic area. That's the first criteria. And then there's a caveat to this. You can't just have multiple cultures in the same area, but they must be free enough... To collaborate and also remained distinct from one another i think that's i don't know maybe that's too far but that's kind of what it sounds like to me is that right they, they may not stay distinct but they're at least free to stay distinct like one is not one culture is not necessarily being pressured to assimilate into another culture right like that there's not legal like but outside of the normal human pressures maybe Right. Okay. I'm. I'm going to bring up an example that is like very exaggerated. Sure. Um, that this does not actually technically count in and of itself as multiculturalism. I don't think. But um, to to illustrate the point of like having separate but also united identities, so two people might get together and say, "Okay," or two groups of people. Yes, two separate groups of people might get together and say to to the other, "Okay." we are scottish and we are english but we are both british mm. we both reside in britain and britain and being the unifying term being the multicultural level if you could group them that right way. so so you have the cult- the culture and ethnicity of being scottish and english but we are united under one banner right in britain and you could say that britain is multicultural whereas england or scotland independently may not inherently be based under just this very specific right and like i said this is exaggerated because england and scotland are still separate countries they're you know with within the united kingdom you could say um there's a cgp gray video about yes it's very it's one of his first videos actually anyway all the uh british politics aside like there there's a very clear division uh geographically speaking between scotland and england they're they're separate but i I, like it was an easy place to pull from where it's like okay here we have two groups which are distinct in this way but are also united so you can also think of that in in terms of other ethnic groups that that do actually intermingle um uh, a lot more closely you you could say um but that was an easy example because i have i have geographic separation that i can point out that most people are going to be familiar with. You know, we are us and you are whatever, but we are both together. We're not separate. We're different, but not separate. Right. Um, Now, uh, I think you might be confusing this for Polly. I only click off because it says do not confuse this with polyculturalism. Mm-hmm. Polyculturalism is an ideological approach to the consequences of intercultural engagements within a geographical area with emphasis the oh which emphasizes similarities between and the enduring interconnectedness of groups with self-identity as distinct thus blurring the boundaries which may be perceived by members of those groups. So that maybe not but this can also be a thing that you might apply in that specific instance the one instances they're listed is um for example uh the philippines the united states um at one point the united states occupied the philippines but technically depending on who you asked liberated or conquered the philippines from spain during the spanish-american war um so but the philippines still exist as a protectorate kind of of the united states but in order to make that relationship a little less awkward they're gonna we're you know both groups decide to focus on the similarities between the two and so because of that it it, it strengthens relationship it's, it's it's kind of a different thing than multiculturalism but i could see a similar approach to like because scotland and england are both geographically okay on the islands of britain and they share a language now anyway mostly and everything so they i think maybe polyculturalism is a way to it's maybe a different approach to the same problem that multiculturalism is also trying to address and i say problem just saying that if you were to look at it as a problem or the situation let's just use the word situation because it's not inherently a problem but the situation of multiple cultures being forced next to each other by just geographical means so i just wanted to make sure we weren't crossing boundaries there Um, I think the the thing that really points out what you were talking about is uh, multiculturalism is described as a salad bowl and a mosaic as opposed to a melting pot, because a lot of people used to use that term, especially in the United States. The U.S. was a melting pot where all of these cultures come together, you know, the whole give me your week and humble masses kind of thing. And as cultures come in, they contribute characteristics to the American identity, but they also become Americans... And they lose a lot of their cultural identity over time, um, which is different because that's not, that's not maintaining the individual cultures. I think we should talk about that a little bit before we go into multiculturalism. So I think everyone who's been educated in the United States, I don't know now, but if you were going to school in the nineties and before, I can't say anything after that really, or the 2010s and before, I can't really say much after that because I wasn't in you know public education but um you've heard the phrase melting pot at some point probably in your history class or yes. if you had a civics or social studies class um it was the attitude that the america that the united states had primarily during the its initial expansion um is that america is a place where if you don't know where you belong or you're down on your life lo- You know that—that's kind of the romantic image painted of the United States—is that, you know, people come here seeking a better life, like that whole thing. But when you get here, and this was said in a positive way, you're not who you were when you left. You are an American now, and it was something that you should be proud of, right? And so, America—the American identity—back when most of the populations were actually were geographically much less spread out than they are today you know you may be an irishman that's where that's where you were born but when you come here you're an american now and a lot of people who came here did adopt that kind of identity um those who came here willingly i should say because yes. uh, there's there's those who didn't um but those who, of implications of that which we may get into we, we might um but those who came here willingly tended to want to take on that identity or at least that's the image you're painted And the evidence of that is kind of still around. You know, I I know plenty of people who uh, I I distinctly remember uh, a couple of people that I knew growing up. And this is pretty anecdotal, but we went to New York on a school trip one summer and we went to Ellis Island and uh, we saw the log books. And for two of my friends um, that went with us, they went to go find their ancestry. Like Mm. they had great, great grandparents or whatever that came over and they went through ellis island and got and and one of them actually their name changed because they couldn't pronounce it or whatever that was very common you were given an americanized last name like down to that level of rebranding almost and to them it was a happy experience they weren't like distraught that their family lost their italian or their turkish identities because they came here it was they were happy because they've been raised in america well right like like imagine you know you're you're poor and looking for a, a way into a new life what better symbol of the beginning of your new life than literally changing your name and that actually that practice still happens today in some places yeah i finally found a good use for a documentary i watched this week mm. <laughs> about the french foreign legion <laughs> so when you join the french foreign legion which a lot of french foreign legionnaires they join up because the french foreign legion doesn't care about your past so it's it's a great place where if you've had a troubled past even in like getting mixed up in the law like you've had problems you know and you're down you can't get a job because you have a criminal record you can go join the legion and they give you an entire new identity when you sign up that if you serve your five years you get to keep And it's a clean slate and not only that but it's a clean slate with a job you know you have you're given training and you're given month you're paid so it's a it's it's a very similar thing it's you're not who you were before you came here and that also helps because the french foreign legion unlike a lot of other military organizations you don't have to be a french national to join the foreign legion you can be from anywhere the the documentary i watched they had people from slovenia from algeria canada the uk and i think one was actually from france but his parents weren't you know all of these people come from different countries to to fight in the legion and most of them don't have any real allegiances to the country of france but france doesn't care you're in the foreign legion you're going to go somewhere else anyway you're not fighting in france and so that's but when you're given this new name you're given a new name you're taught french like, I think over the six-week course, you're taught 800 words of French to be able to communicate effectively within the military context, but once you learn enough vocabulary and can speak a sentence, and in the Legion, you only speak French. Like, they're only speaking French to you. You'll learn the rest by immersion. You really do kind of remake yourself in that form. It's very similar, and that happens today in France, and it was a very similar attitude America had at the time. Um. And at the time, America was happy about it. You know, we needed people here. You know, America was a lot, as a country, felt a lot bigger, I think. You know, there, there were plenty of jobs. There was plenty of prosperity to be had. And that was the attitude many people took. Don't get me wrong. I understand there are, there are complications with this. We'll get into maybe a little later. But I think that's the attitude behind the melting pot is that we're all here now. And America as a country is young enough that most people rem- remember maybe hearing stories that have been there's still a really fresh oral history about well we weren't from here either you know like that's another thing that this american identity is still soft it hasn't had time to harden like a country that's been around for thousands of years you know it's a very fresh place you know so that was that that's i think the big you know the interesting concept behind the melting pot but this is a different different thing for sure so maybe that's that's what we say about the melt do you have any other comments to make about the the melting pot idea Uh, maybe um i think i think it's interesting um and it's an interesting contrast to to the uh the mosaic idea and i hmm, i don't know i need to think about that for a little bit which i mean this kind of goes without saying but this is a monoculture like the melting pot proposes a monoculture that's where i wanted to go thank as you for, a, uh... for reminding me so not uh, not uh, monoculture specifically but so this this brings me to a and, and maybe I'm, i might be uh, uh jumping the gun a little bit uh, into into maybe one of my problems with multiculturalism but uh talking about um uh the the melting pot concept um that's it it brings to mind a a term which i often cringe at as an american but but i've I've now i understand a little bit of of uh, where where it's coming from um specifically as a contrast to the melting pot this term uh that i'm avoiding saying is uh, cultural appropriation ah yes so americans are often accused of cultural appropriation when we do things like adopt what is what what i will refer to as ethnic food for instance among other things but that's one thing um where you know any you know pick random sample american will be comfortable making food that is associated with an ethnicity because it doesn't matter it's food um we think it's good so we're going to we're going to take it it's it's called appropriation uh by uh, th- those who I'll I'll label multiculturalists, uh, whether they want to be called that or not, I'm not sure. Um, it it's called that, and as if that's some sort of affront to those from whom the idea originated. Hmm. So that's interesting. Um, I have the article pulled up for it. I think the I think the first pair two paragraphs give a lot of backstory as to maybe why that might be. Um. Cultural appropriation, at times also phrased cultural misappropriation, is the adoption of an element or elements of one culture by members of another culture. This can be controversial when members of a dominant culture appropriate from disadvantaged minority cultures. I'm going to go and read the second paragraph, but we're going to talk about that first paragraph a a little bit. According to critics of the practice, cultural appropriation differs from acculturation Assimilation or equal cultural exchange, in that this appropriation is a form of colonialism. <laughs> when cultural elements are copied from a minority culture by members of a dominant culture, these elements are used outside of their original cultural context, sometimes even against the expressly stated wishes of the members of the originating culture. So, I'm just going to go ahead and just come on, say it. This is a very charged rhetoric. About this topic, in my opinion, yes. I mean, the very first sentence I don't see a problem with, which is the definition. Sure, yeah, definitions are fine. So the definition of cultural appropriation is the adoption of an element or elements of one culture by members of another culture. So far, this is the only sentence that does not lay forth a bias for or against this practice. Yes. The next sentence, which are the only two sentences in the header, or the heading sentence for this, the opening paragraph. Yes. Yeah, the opening paragraph does begin to mention only the uh <laughs> the negative or the um let's see this can be controversial. Okay. The controversial nature of this topic. Yeah. Um and it only gives the one side of the controversy. It doesn't have any backup. So as a as an article, this already is kind of biased in my opinion. Uh <sighs> perhaps i i don't know that that i don't know that the the first paragraph begins with a bias so i i agree it um it points out a bias that that exists but all it says is that it can be controversial when this happens and well, and that's true but it but it doesn't just say this can be controversial it says exactly when it can be controversial and it immediately well yes dynamic, it, so yeah. it, well but 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 i think it's fair for an author of an encyclopedia article to say you know in this instance of it it becomes it, it can be controversial because it that because that gives us some information suppose we've never heard this term before it gives us some information that when it happens the other way around when a minority culture adopts something from the so-called dominant culture people don't see that as controversial well right because it's just information i don't i don't see a bias there that's maybe fair but i would argue that cultural appropriation from its onset i think heavily relies on this majority minority cultural relationship whereas if you were to look at um acculturation or assimilation which i'll go ahead and pull open just so we can be fair because you know yeah we we try our best to be fair here because i've never heard the word acculturation Uh... so acculturation is the process of society social psychological and cultural change that stems from the balancing of two cultures while adapting to the prevailing culture of the society Uh, Acculturation is a process in which an individual adopts, acquires, and adjusts to the new cultural environment. Individuals of a differing culture try to incorporate themselves into a new, more prevalent culture by participating in aspects of the more prevalent culture, such as their traditions, but still hold on to their original cultural values and traditions. And then cultural assimilation is the process now the cultural assimilation i think is maybe the exact opposite of uh... no assimilation even by the previous article and by the open paragraph of this one is a type of acculturation there are many forms of acculturation of which one is assimilation Right, but what I'm saying is, I think, culture. okay, let me just read a cultural assimilation, sure. then I'll go on to what I was going to say. Uh, cultural assimilation is the process in which minority groups or culture come to resemble a dominant group or assume the values, behaviors, or beliefs of another group. A conceptualization describes cultural assimilation as similar to acculturation when another culture merely considers the former as one you, of the latter. You inserted a word in I there. I did? Okay, let me let me, yeah. let me try that again. A conceptualization describes cultural assimilation as similar to acculturation, while another merely considers the former as one of the latter's phases. I don't like formers and ladders. Yeah, yeah, they're not very organized ways of speaking. Uh, Throughout history, there have been different forms of cultural assimilation. Examples of types of acculturation include include voluntary and involuntary assimilation, Assimilation could also involve the so-called additive acculturation wherein, instead of replacing the ancestral culture, an individual expands their existing cultural repertoire. Hey, look at me. that French. Anyway, so I, I would agree that cultural, assimilis- the cultural assimilation and uh, cultural appropriation are both things that occur underneath acculturation, mm. I think. But what I was saying by their opposites is that a cultural assimilation deals with people of the minority group or minority culture adapting to traits of the majority culture or taking on those traits and aspects. Now, whereas cultural appropriation is when the majority culture begins to adapt and take on traits of the uh, minority culture. Right. That's what I was saying. I think they might be opposites. Now, I do think it's a little bit different uh, in the definitions because cultural assimilation talks as though this happens simultaneously. But I think in practice, most cultures that are assimilating into another culture, say, for example, you are an Italian family moving to America. You're not going to instantly adopt everything about America. No, you don't even know everything yet. Exactly. Even if you wanted to, you're going to pick up things as you go. So you might pick up like for things like an accent for example are going to be hard to pick up. You can't just make yourself do that. But you might start eating different foods because you might be forced to because you just don't have access to the same things you'd had back home. So those things you start picking up and or if you, if you did have access you might choose to start eating what the American culture considers to be a normal food you know or right think about how like yeah staying on the topic of food how people from a a culture whose food americans appreciate maybe someone wants to we'll stick with italy Uh, an italian family moves to america and they want to open their own italian restaurant they normally they normally don't stick strictly to authentic italian food when they do this because americans love their spices that for some reason don't really appear in their uh, uh, places of origin. Right. I think honestly, the most obvious one when we're talking about food is Mexican food in the United States. Mexican food has been significantly transformed in America. And so much so that there's a term for it. Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex. Yeah. Yes. Because it's Texas Mexican food because a lot of Americans don't like spicy food the same way. I'm just going to say it like straight up. Most Americans can't handle the spice you know but so it's toned down and changed and that's the food you're presented with um, because it appeals to the broader market and this is driven more by like a you know market values than anything else if you wanted to start a restaurant and you're selling food no one wants because it doesn't appeal to their palates which mo- it's, it's a lot easier for you to change your menu than to just wait for the culture's palate to change to then be able to handle it you know so that's kind of what ends up happening and so you see that happen a lot like even places that are labeled authentic mexican food probably aren't (laughs) you know what i mean in the united states or if it really is most americans if you take them to an authentic actually authentic mexican restaurant the first question that's probably going to be off their tongue is where are the chips and salsa because hear me out that's not a mexican thing right you know, not in the same way it's we although i think th- i think there's there's a, a a fair way to to blend those to, to still have the uh the american uh norm of of beginning with uh chips and salsa but the actual plates that you'll order are authentic dishes yes but anyway so that, i think is what we're talking about so pop pop back down to the original topic yes. of uh Cultural appropriation. That's now that we're off of cultural assimilation and acculturation, we have a little bit of understanding yes, of what cultural are. cultural appropriation. So what's your beef with uh, cultural appropriation, David? I have a beef with cultural appropriation as a concept. Okay. Um, for for the reason that you already brought up, which is that it is focused on uh, dominant and uh, and uh, minority cultures. Um, it focuses on... I don't know if you call that a power dynamic, but I definitely think that there's some overtones of there being a power dynamic involved. Yes, especially there, if, there's some sort of uh, insinuation that that's the case. Right. Um. So that being the case, um, like, yeah, I I guess for me it it appears to be a double standard, um, that the minority culture can freely adopt things from the so-called dominant culture and that's called assimilation or integration depending on uh the degree to which they're doing it um nobody seems to have a problem with people doing that willingly but when the so-called dominant culture adopts from the minority culture because they like what they're doing they like what they see and they think it's a good idea somehow that's wrong we're the the dominant culture is stealing from the minority culture appropriating it mm-hmm. um I suppose I'm not going to meet resistance from the other side of the table on this, but um, that that's my problem with it. Sure. Would you say that cultural assimilation is? Would you do you have a problem with cultural assimilation? Do I have a problem with assimilation? No. Okay. And um, so, it's a, and because I don't have a problem with assimilation, I don't have a problem with assimilation in reverse. You know, like the existence of Tex Mex. I have no problem with that. Or. In the same way, I don't have a problem with, like, if people who are not Hispanic want to open their own authentic Mexican restaurant. Right. Who cares if the food is good? Fair enough. Um, so let's step up to a different level when we talk about multiculturalism. So what are your thoughts on multiculturalism in general? Do you think that it is a like what are your thoughts on multiculturalism in general like multiple cultures existing with the same within the same geographical area i i obviously know you're probably okay with it because you're okay with like you kind of have to be okay with i think multiculturalism to some degree is if if you're okay with cultural assimilation while it's happening um maybe maybe not i don't know bear in mind that multiculturalism distinct from polyculturalism as we brought up is about th- where the the cultures are together but they remain distinct. Okay, so you Okay. I'm I'm trying to ask a good question here. Yeah. Yeah. So um Do you think that cultural assimil- assimilation terminates into a monoculture? Assimilation? Yes, eventually. Okay so do you also think that does would that make cultural assimilation is it like a part is multiculturalism like a phase that you start with and then you end up with a monoculture over time or is multiculturalism I think that a the norm a multicultural society could develop i think probably it will it would uh, eventually turn into assimilation. Okay. Um, like I don't... I think there has to... The, okay, so my, my opinion on multiculturalism is I think it's weird. Um. Because... people in close proximity by their very social nature will begin to adopt one another's cultural behaviors. If left to their own devices. Right. Unless... See, here. here's the weird thing. Unless across the whole society, there is a cultural value, one common cultural value that they agree on, which is that the cultures should remain distinct. That's weird to me. Like, we can all get together and agree on one thing, that we shouldn't be the same. What? Right. Well, I think... <clears throat> to me I think multiculturalism is maybe just if we're looking if we're looking at human behavior right I think multiculturalism might be a step along the road like obviously I think multiculturalism is a better step down the road to take than forced assimilation right yes like I think that's maybe where the idea comes from is that we don't want to essentially like a good example let's say is if there is a certain type of religious garb or garb that comes from a religion that is dominant in a culture and the people and and those people move to a new country the people of the destination country shouldn't force these other people to stop wearing that garb i'm just going to go and give an example that this has been kind of talked about some but like the uh headscarves you know, um, uh, burkas, for example, are another example of, of of a headscarf. I believe you know, that's not a covering your face is not a common cultural trait in a lot of Western countries, especially the United States. It's, and not only that, but in in American, in the American ethos, there's like a there's somewhat of a negative association, and the main reason for that has something to do with why you would want to cover your face in the american understanding the only times you do see people with covered faces are they're attempting to conceal their identity either contem- they're attempting to conceal their identity they're, or in a lot of the you know media comes downstream from culture if you look at a lot of like older movies people mask up when they're about to commit some type of a nefarious act or if concealing their identity or if there's like a safety reason, those are pretty much the only reasons a person ever covers their face. Two out of three are bad. You know, yeah. like, um, are we well, associated honest, with that? Well, I think, I think the first two that you mentioned are actually one and the same. Like, why do I want to cover my face if I'm robbing a bank? Cause I don't want anyone to know that I'm the one who robbed the bank. Sure. I'm concealing my identity. Sure. Um, so, and there's really never been another reason. And so within the culture, we don't normally think about that. However, in the origin culture, there is a good reason for that it's modesty you know it's religiously ordained modesty um and it's, it's considered polite to do such you know by their standards and so when it comes here the expectations are not the same and so you get there's some cultural grading where especially in this instance where one is one culture sees this activity as a positive whereas the other one sees it as potentially a negative you know even though it's not being insinuated that just by covering your face in the original culture you are being modest necessarily because you could be doing other things that break that all entirely and just like in the destination culture just because you have a mask on your face or you're covering your face doesn't mean you're going to commit a crime it's just the correlations between the things are different you're going to arouse suspicion sure it's going to make you know you're going to stand out and there are plenty of things and, and but i think what makes this particularly potent is that you're going to stand out more suspiciously than you would if it were something else a good example is uh in the united states this was more previous but the sombrero, for example, is not a type of hat worn in the United States typically, or at least it wasn't back then. Now, it did give rise and was appropriated into the cowboy hat, for example. That's where it comes from. Um, but if you wore a traditional Mexican sombrero, that was like, okay, that's kind of strange. We never wore big brim hats like that. But then again, a lot of these cultures, you know, you also had to keep in mind at this time, most of the cultures that came to America, or at least the, the European cultures, the sun's not as big of a problem in europe as it is in the united states so it made sense it was utility so they adopted it because the goal for having this item was in first of all in a more practical place and i'm talking just sun overhead it's hot in arizona i'd like to keep the sun out of my eyes that's not that hard to communicate you don't have to understand a religious significance of anything right that's not a foreign concept sun is hot shade is cool that's not a foreign concept that just happens and so you see someone wearing a goofy hat and you're like okay that's not suspicious to me that you're wearing a goofy hat so what like i don't care you know what i mean like that's not as offensive and it has a little bit of an easier time being adopted whereas or being able to just exist alongside because there's no cultural bias against it for honestly perhaps good reasons you know whereas something like a face covering there isn't as much of a practical purpose i say that there is a practical purpose but it's not as commonly understood and that's not even the real reason the origin culture even had it in the first place you know it wasn't practical over there necessarily that's you know or at least that's not the stated reason as to why it exists. Even if it did arise as a practicality, it's not often, you know, if, if, if you're trying to explain, if you're, one, if you're wearing a face covering like that, and you're trying to explain to someone who has a genuine question, like, why do you wear that? Like, I don't understand it. You're not going to come probably with the, well, it's practical, you know, because it keeps dust out of my nose and mouth and dust can give you, you know, you know, diseases and stuff that's not the first answer given it's oh well for modest reasons and definitions of modesty which are understandable are also different amongst cultures you know and i think that's one of the things uh that was a way too long way of explaining maybe the yes the thought behind it but i don't necessarily think that multiculturalism as a a society under which you have multiculturalism says well you can wear those you can remain you can keep your culture you can maintain your identity from your your origin country and we'll work alongside it and let you remain distinct in that way right whereas a more harshly assimilating culture you know might be like you just need to stop wearing that if you're here you know what i mean like we're not going to tolerate there's not as much room for freedom to maintain your previous way you know And so I think multiculturalism as an idea in place of that kind of system is a good thing. But I don't necessarily think it should be upheld as the end-all terminating standard. Like this should not be something that we try to maintain if things could be going in a better direction. And I agree that I think it's kind of difficult to hold up multiculturalism in the face of human biology and psychology. You know like you said humans that socialize and intermingle right and that's not to say because i could see it being uh uh, mistaken for this that's not to say that i value monoculture um like honestly monoculture has historically been a problem Mm -hmm. um both socially and biologically speaking yes um my my favorite example of that being uh well my favorite and least favorite simultaneously example of that being the uh, banana famines that we've seen there's some yes. biological monoculture problems for us but also um it happens socially as well where you end up with um uh total social intolerance as a result of, of monoculture right. um or other other well we we don't need to enumerate examples um so I don't I don't value monoculture but it is it's it's weird it's weird to me to like celebrate and hold dear how unlike we are mm-hmm. I yeah, I agree. I don't think and this and might... like, like to the point where you say, "Oh, well, you're you are you're copying what my culture has historically done. That's wrong of you. Uh, yeah. I think these are, they're connected, but I think you can, we can talk about them separately. I think there there's a human t- tendency problem to not just, okay. Like honestly, before this, before this thought escapes my head. Sure. Go for it. Like when, when someone screams cultural appropriation, you're taking something from my, my culture it rose me the same way as when the KKK talks about race mixing. Yeah. You're like, how dare you mix black and white like that? That's wrong. It's like, well, well, but no, it isn't. People want to do that. Right. It's fine. Well, I think for us, the individual, you can't have multiculturalism of an individual, right? Like an individual, I think for us is the priority. Like if a person wants to do something and they're free, they should be free to do so yeah. as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. You know, and that that's that's the front line. So if that person wants to do something different and it's not hurting anybody else, I don't see a problem with it. You know, be that who you go to bed with, who you want to marry, you know, all that stuff. What, what you want to eat, it, that doesn't hurt anybody. Um, I do think, however, when we're talking about multiculturalism, the issue I think arises is when you're starting to hold up distinct groups as equally valued humans have a problem it's not a problem it's it, it's a characteristic of competitiveness and it's core to who we are mm-hmm. so anytime you draw two things of the same category into the same area it does not take long for people to start feeling that tendency to want to pro-con them for example just to start but that quickly becomes a competition and humans do it for everything you leave two humans alone with rocks long enough they will try to race them you know or they'll try to stack them and see who can stack rocks the highest because that's a large source of our entertainment personally but that that attitude of hierarchical structures not to get too you know peterson up in here but i i do think he's kind of right about that humans do tend to look for the pecking order the so pecking order so to speak also uh, most social and fecund <laughs> species do this you know right and uh so when you right, have... and we see that we see that from from very early ages I, I don't i don't know just how far and wide this uh behavior spreads but intuitively i think this goes a long way my dad is better than your dad yeah. Well, not only that, but questions like if you if you take eight ounces of a liquid and you put one in a long skinny tube and one in a short fat tube, kids can quickly tell you which one's better. Yeah. Oh, I want the one in the tall skinny tube. There's more in there. <laughs> we we come hardwired being able to be able to discern between greater and lesser in quantity. And it's not that hard of a jump to go from greater and lesser in quantity to greater and lesser in quality. Yeah. It's not a hard jump for human beings to make. So, if you uphold multiculturalism as a standard, by making the whole crux of multiculturalism be maintaining these differences, you're putting emphasis on the differences between cultures. It's unavoidable. And as soon as you begin putting an emphasis, humans will be drawn to the greatest differences in things and compare them. A great example of this and maybe a non harmful way, go on YouTube and insert nationality, race, ethnicity, eats, listens to, watches, something from another culture for the first time. They're insanely popular videos. Estonian man watch his video about us nuclear submarines why are we so fascinated that in a, about getting the estonian man's opinion about the u.s military sub there's just an, a slew of listings about this military sub but the one with the most clicks is this estonian guy because we want to see what he thinks because he's culturally different you know subreddits exist like this just another day in russia is exactly like this it's wanting to know what this other culture perceives about our thing you know and see how it stacks up yeah uh english woman's impressions after returning from china or even better uh koreans trying american barbecue for the first time (laughs) that's a hugely popular video series and but it's and it and, and almost inevitably comes up or like the people from the origin culture, the an American watching that feels something when they like our barbecue for whatever reason. Right. Like, I told you, I knew we had it right. We, we did We're good. We're doing the good thing. Right. But that, and that's not so harmful. You're not no. trying to get them to stop eating Korean barbecue and you might now go try Korean barbecue so you can maybe think about it for yourself. Right. That That's the thing. Like, like it that's one of the things that i like about uh about cultural intermingling like that is that like like and and what i find weird about like maintaining the divisions um is it's like we're not we're not destroying one another's culture to do what the other is doing no we can only make each other's lives better by introducing new things that they hadn't experienced before if they don't like it fine but if they do, you've just given them a new experience they weren't otherwise going to have that they appreciate. I agree. That I can't see how that's a bad thing. Well, I, I I do see the argument being made. And the argument made is that you run the risk of assimilation. In We'll get into the context of a lot of the examples given. But you run the risk of deteriorating the totality of that culture by pulling one part out of it and keeping it in isolation the the an example given is uh, a good example is the mukbang or whatever i'm sure you've heard that term before i've heard it yes. or mukbang as we would pronounce it in america <laughs> um, some people are real fed up with non-korean people i think it's koreans where it comes from uh doing mukbangs because what's it's not pulled along with the rest of the cultural context that exists because it's the it's supposed to be the family meal in Korea where family is important that's not that hard of a concept mm-hmm. but it's only being duplicated because of its online success because those videos are popular mm-hmm. so instead of it being a family meal it's me and my subscribers and by me and my subscribers i mean me eat and my subscribers watch me eat (laughs) and it loses the meaning behind it and so to those who see that as cultural appropriation the person doing the mukbang that doesn't understand it is deteriorating the understanding of what a mukbang is in its original context i disagree but that's i think their concern is that well if if it gets popular amongst a larger audience for being this that will become the definition of a mukbang and most people and i can see it that's true if you ask most people around here what's a mukbang oh it's a video where someone gets on and eats and other people watch it it's weird that's their understanding of what that is now and that's going to be their first impression and it's out of its cultural context and so they're their problem is now the understanding of what this is if enough people understand it as one way that word will become the definition for that word will become person sits alone in room eats food on camera instead of preserving the cultural history i disagree i know what that word means i've looked i i went in and looked up what that word means because i didn't understand i had the curiosity because i saw some person who wasn't korean doing it what's this fad on youtube and because of that i actually learned more about that culture because now i was interested you know right and you were unlikely to ever hear about it before exactly and i don't think it damages the original like i think the fear is that and this is i think a, a pretty irrational fear is that you're going to the history is going to be lost or the meaning in this is going to be lost i disagree i don't think the meaning first of all you can't lose it necessarily like i doubt we're going to have a library of alexandria incident (laughs) with the internet where all of this preserved history just goes away and we're starting over i doubt that's ever going to happen and you shouldn't plan your life like that's going to happen right like like even okay even if we assume like let's jump forward like thousands and thousands of years uh and and assume that we're steadily progressing toward monoculture this whole time which probably isn't going to happen but assume we did so this is the worst case scenario from the multiculturalist perspective um so korean culture is completely dissolved um because they're a worldwide minority um are and and, and now everyone thinks that mukbang <laughs> I'll say it that way, means this thing. Assuming that this word even survives that long. Um, surely somebody along the way is going to write down the origin of that term. It's already- even if no yeah. one actually does that thing anymore, you're going to be able to go to Wikipedia or whatever the equivalent is uh, that that many years from now and see, oh, that's where this can... Like, if you're curious about it, you can do that. And you're like, hmm, that sounds like an interesting idea. Maybe we should try that you know like the, the opportunity is going to be there to do it again if people want to right well i mean if and if it and if it really is a good idea that enriches people's lives people will keep doing it because they're going to want to a great example of that the christmas holiday yeah christmas is new actually yeah the word christmas is pretty new and it has a very deep history from multiple cultures that it's been appropriated by mm-hmm. over centuries and but you can go all the way back to saturnalia with the romans and even back before the end of the macedonians as to where it actually came from but i know that that's written down that's an example of what happens in the worst case for cultural appropriation is someone else picks it up and guess what we took the things we liked the most about that holiday. Yeah, we weren't too keen on the running around in a freshly uh, skinned sheep. That wasn't that great. But the gift giving, that was a cool idea. So we're going to keep yes, doing that. The gift that. giving, the dinner, yeah. parties. Yeah, we like that. So we're going to keep doing those things. We're but... keep doing that. And then the rest can go in a history book and be a neat story that we learn. Exactly. And we love stories. so. Exactly. Um. So the second thing about multiculturalism and i don't think we will ever achieve monoculture in the world necessarily probably not and purely because i think of the same i think it's gonna take i think it would take so long even to to reach monoculture even on a steady uh approach it would take so long to reach it that we would probably leave earth by then well i think that'll be the thing that's gonna create another like a, a physical barrier uh from which cultures will separate exactly by fact that you know i know it's not exactly reputed as the best source but i've got guns germs and steel over there on the on the bookshelf geographical differences are not changing necessarily or not at anywhere near the rate that humans are if you live in a place like arizona where it's hot all the time there are little things about that that are going to have influences on other parts of your culture that will not change. If you live in the Arctic, there are going to be things about that environment that will make things of some cultures never take on. Good example, uh, the 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 culture of wearing revealing swimwear like a bikini probably won't ever catch on in Alaska. <laughs> Sorry, it just probably won't because there's a good practical reason why it won't, you know. And that seems like such a little thing but just the tiniest of things contribute to such great differences in culture over time because time works wonders in that way. So in that, I think that multiculturalism is fighting a uphill battle against human psychology, but it's also fighting on behalf of something that doesn't even need an army, you know, cultures will be different and the cultures that exist today won't even be around because cultures change internally too yeah you know a great example is if you look at the culture in the geographical area of the italian peninsula over the last two centuries it's radically changed from you know going way back to the roman empire to the free states you know the city states and then catholicism like did did you mean millennia because you said centuries millennia. yes yes the last two millennia sorry (laughs) my bad um that's what i meant but yeah it's changed dramatically and not always for inherently negative reasons although yes some of them some of them but that's also just a part of bad things happen yeah oh well oh well you know and not just that but like not always bad things caused by people you know sure the potato famine changed a lot about the Irish diet mm-hmm. that, that wasn't inherently caused by any person. The Black Plague, and the Black Death, you know, the plague in Europe changed a lot about how European society's cultures were. And that no one's, to, no one's at fault for that, you know. But humans are resilient and humans change, at least on a societal level, over great periods of time. So I feel like the effort to preserve any culture under any circumstance, you're going to fight a losing battle to the environment. And that's both the environment of the humans and... Right, because the only thing more dangerous... Well, hmm, I, I okay, this might be up for debate. A thing that is close in the level of danger to monoculture is extreme cultural conservatism yes and and that's and what multiculturalism essentially is is saying every culture should be conservative about itself right um and that's a world that's even worse than monoculture in my opinion um and probably also in in my opinion as well but as as for what the consequences would be i'm not going to claim authority to sure to say anything about that um, I think the last thing I really have to say about cultural appropriation itself, I don't necessarily want to speak to the motives of those who subscribe to this idea. I think that might be a good after-show topic, but I don't like to speak to people's motives too much. But the the phenomena itself, I do think there is meaning to the phrase "imitation is the sincerest form of flattery." Mm-hmm. There is a good reason. For example, we wear the kind of clothes that we wear today. We wear pants and shirts. Now, that's a phenomenal idea. We don't wear uh, tunics anymore. Tunics were a big part of some cultures, I'm sure. I don't know the history of tunics. But at some point, someone said, you know what? Pants. Pants are cool. And that culture began using pants. The reason most of the world wears pants is not because that culture, you know, was appropriated for malicious reasons. Pants are awesome. Right. They're just good. They're just good. And that's why they're so common. You know why? You know, music, the same way. Music, and that's a lot more subjective, I'm sure. Mm. But what appeals to human beings, you know, there's a reason pop music all sounds the same. There's just happens to be a chord progression that to most people is appealing. That's why certain music spreads, you know, it's, it has nothing to do with the origin necessarily. It has a lot more to do with where it ends up, what you eat, you know, what you wear, how you speak. A lot of those things are, they may, they, all of those things have probably deep origins to, to where they come from. But the reason anyone does those things almost always, I think comes down to at, the lightest, just a personal preference, I just like it, you know. Uh, you see that with the otaku, you know, phenomena where people in the West are fascinated by Japanese culture. They just like it. All the way down to practical reasons like pants, you know. It just so happens to be something that people like, and that's why it spreads. There's I, very little malice in adopting someone else's. I, I, I don't know that there's ever really been a malice for giving up something in your culture to take on something of someone else's necessarily no it, so that's what to me makes cultural appropriation much more absurd to me than right, because nobody when taking something from another culture is like oh i know what i'm gonna do i'm going to devalue this person's culture by taking their thing like no nobody thinks like that no well i wouldn't say nobody but okay most... lunatics think like that like <laughs> anyway but cultural assimilation on the other hand absolutely can be done maliciously you know yes but i don't think that you can necessarily appropriate culture maliciously i think a lot of and when you see a lot of the examples of it the person who gets called out for it very rarely even understands what they're accused of what they're accused of and if no one had ever said anything they would have kept doing it and no one probably would have been worse off for it in my opinion right so that's all i have to say i do think there's more to delve in and talk maybe about with multiculturalism yeah. and culture appropriation but i think at that point we're going to start getting into motivations yes and broader theories as to maybe other aspects of where these things kind of come from so yeah um good post-show topic probably don't know that we'll end up making another episode about this probably not so Um, Anything else you had to bring to the table? Nope. All right. Well, all being said, philosophers. Philosophers.